Welcome to Prize Fighting Kangaroo. Hi, I'm Ashley. And I'm Amy. I guess we're live now. How you doing? How's everybody doing? Today's episode, we want to talk about something that anyone who lives in Arizona experiences. The summer shut-in binge. Why? Because it's fucking hot outside. It's hot everywhere, but it's really fucking hot here. Dry heat, <laughs> moist heat, it doesn't matter. It's hot as hell. It's hot. It's like 117 degrees on a good day. You got to do something, so what are you going to do? Binge the hell out of some TV shows and movies. Exactly. Would you ever get melanoma or get caught up on media? <laughs> <laughs> also joining us today is our producer extraordinaire, Devin. Hey, Devin. Hey. What's up? How's it going, guys? <laughs> By the laughter, I didn't mean at all that I was leaning toward melanoma. I just thought the uh, the choice was... was it's funny. okay. We think melanoma's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D- just for the record, d- just so you know where our mental state is at, we were talking about hand jobs just mm. before we turned on the recorder. So. Which Ashley deemed the rice cakes of uh, the roster of sexual acts that, you, that can be performed. Uh, look, all I'm saying is that if you're really hungry and rice cakes are the only thing in the pantry, you'll eat them. No, but you'll not be enthusiastic about it. Right. Same with the hand job. <laughs> the provider also of the rice cakes, probably not enthusiastic about it, but also doesn't want to see that person starve. Nobody's enthused. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you met the CEO of a rice cakes company, they'd just be like, yeah, it's a living. It's something they have to do. Yeah. It keeps the jobs going and yeah, it brings, oh, it brings in jobs. Some- <laughs> That's what we call it callback, kids. <laughs> Not even five minutes into the show, we're referring back to each other. This is going to be a fun one. We went in a real crazy weird circle there, and he, now here we are. Hi. Did we introduce ourselves? I believe so. We, we sure did. did. Right. Yeah. But to start things off, um, one thing I like to do in the summer is I like to binge on TCM. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say something. I'm going to put something out there, though. I feel like 365, you like to binge on some TCM, but... In the summer, you just crank it up a little bit. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Like, I mean, Turner, Turner always puts on good productions. Like, you can, at least once a week, you got a movie on there and be like, oh, I haven't seen that. I really want to watch it. But in the summer, it's like, it's especially a good excuse to be like, you know what? I'm going to kill four hours. What's on the TCM? Yeah, because in between, a lot of times I find in between, like, the Jimmy Stewart's and the, the, you know, the real known classics, they really mix it up. Like, you'll get some real early stuff. And then occasionally you'll get some really great weirdo movie that you're like, what the hell is this? Why haven't I seen it before? And hey, thanks, TCM. This is pretty awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I saw one last night. Uh, I'll preface this by saying this is not a good movie. But it was a very surprising movie. It was a 1980s slasher film called He Knows You're Not Alone. Oh. I feel like I might have seen that. T- tell us more. All right. Well, first of all, it's a, a, a blatant Halloween ripoff. Like... <laughs> It's basically about a crazy guy who stalks a woman and her friends for no reason. Um, the, the closing music of the movie is basically the Halloween John Carpenter theme song, oh, but God. very slightly tweaked. <laughs> like we're like we're talking the difference between like Under Pressure and Vanilla Ice's song. Wow! Like it's Jeez. so close. And I think we all know which one was the superior recording. <laughs> yeah. But clearly, you know. Yeah. Word to your mother. That's right. <laughs> but nice. here's the part where the film was amazing to me. In the middle of the film, there's a scene where the, the you know the final girl goes to like um, a, a fair in the middle of the city, and she meets one of her friends with this gawky dude who, spoiler alert, he doesn't get killed. This gawky <laughs> black haired guy, and I'm like, this guy's really familiar. And it took me a minute. It's Tom fucking Hanks. What? Whoa. It's Tom wow. Hanks. Tom Hanks in 1980 is in a Halloween ripoff, <laughs> and it, like it threw me completely out of the movie for five minutes. I'm like. How did I not know about this? How does this never get mentioned? He's in a really terrible horror movie, but that is Tom Hanks. Yeah, he did. He was doing some stuff back then, which I appreciated uh, more than you know. We I think we've probably talked about my feelings about later day Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, comma no thanks is my motto. But, uh, <laughs> no thanks. Tom Hanks, no thanks. Most yeah. people already know it. If you don't. Uh, that's where I stand to this day. And then after the post, I'm like, you know what? Extra no thanks and mm-hmm. fuck you. Because that was the hammiest shit I've ever seen. We already <laughs> talked about it. I'm redundant. Uh, but <laughs> I have not heard this before. Early 80s, but Tom Hanks, it. you got a bachelor party. You got some stuff like that. Yeah. Like, all right. I, you know, you he, he made his choices. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I agree. 
it just is interesting because like when we see like, the first Friday Thirteenth movie, that Kevin Bacon appearance, we're yeah. like, oh shit, that's Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah, it's like that times a thousand. <laughs> yeah, it was baffling. Were you like, wah, 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 wah. I, I kind of thought I was tripping for a minute. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, this can't be right. Uh, was it made right? Was it like one of those that came out the year right after uh, Halloween? Was like, okay, like three studios were like, let's make our yeah, make cheap our own. Knockoff. Yeah. It had to have been. Like, I know that the, the director, was, I can't remember his name, but it was like a very Italian name, so I'm pretty sure he's like a, a Giallo guy who came in to the U.S. to do, do this kind of quick and cheap mm. uh, Halloween knockoff. But also, interestingly enough, I think Scream 2 ripped this movie off because the first scene in He Knows You're Not Alone is a woman watching a horror movie in a movie theater getting killed while watching a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Huh. I just watched the I watched all the screams recently in the past two weeks. I'm not going to lie. Oh, did you? Except for the newest one. Because oh. they always run scream one through three, but then they don't do... You know, there was that, like, the one that came way later where... Well past the oh yeah scream for me yeah, yeah the fourth yeah. one and, mm. and it was we a don't little talk about the fourth. yeah it was a little disappointing <laughs> did you did you see the series too they did like the scream series like TV series thing <sighs> I didn't I couldn't get into it I tried no. a little bit did you no I'm not actually I'm not a big fan of the the scream, fr- the scream franchise yeah no how come yeah. what I do like about it is that it pokes fun you know I do like that yeah I like that aspect of what it. didn't you like. I mean, um, that's, 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 like I said, I yeah. just binged it, so it's a it's a possible binge item. I guess it was just that time period for, like, horror films for me. Like, um, I Know What You Did Last Summer and stuff like that. Yeah. And Jeepers Creepers. Like, I just couldn't get into that that uh, era of horror films yeah. myself. I think that the saving grace yeah. for the, the screams, at least the first and second one, was mm. the uh, the cheekiness of it. But yeah, the then, first one's a classic. Yeah, yeah. and you get, yeah. you know... Parker Posey involved, and you know David Arquette was pretty funny in those. Oh, yeah. But by that third one, it was like, what? What are you? What are you doing now? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like for Halloween, or it's one of those franchises where it's really a one and done. Like as soon as you make a sequel, it's like, really? Why do people keep tormenting this woman? <laughs> oh yeah. Like you create these more convoluted excuses, like, oh well, the killer is from the mom from the last movie. Yeah. Like, what? Come on, man. Yeah. Just, just, let, just her, let it go. Let her go have a life now. <laughs> what about like the uh, kind of new Halloween that they're putting out. You know, I'm going to eat my words because that actually does look kind of interesting. I, I'm like, I'm a huge Halloween fan and I really want it to be good, but to me it kind of looks like a rehash of H2O. Uh, because she's like, you know, she's like ready. You know, she's like a badass I now. guess I haven't seen, uh, seen too many, I haven't seen a trailer for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting is, is like, it, it coming out like for this, this upcoming? Uh, I can't remember, but it's coming so. out soon and like they have the original guy that, that played um, Michael Myers, like he's back as Michael Myers oh. again, and of course Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and, oh. and I think it's by oh. the same director, or no, or I think he might just be, be producing it. But I did read, it. yeah, no, but yeah. what's interesting is it, it's written directed by David Gordon Green, um, who did like um, Pineapple Express, oh, um, huh. yeah, and George Washington. So he, he does some interesting work, and also Danny McBride is like one of the co-screenwriters. Okay. But what? what's interesting is that I guess they're dropping the whole he's her brother angle. Really? Which huh. I like. Because I always felt that, that Michael Myers is Laurie Strode's brother was, was a really stupid <laughs> plot twist. Because I think it's more interesting if he's just a, a malevolent, motiveless killer. The minute that you put the family thing into it, it makes it less interesting to me. Huh, that's hmm. interesting. So I think it's, it sounds like they're dropping that angle for the movie where it's just like he not ha- doesn't have any relation to her. What, what about the zombie remake of it? I feel like they kind of tied the uh, the family thing into it a little bit better. Here's the zombie remake. is if, if it wasn't a Halloween movie, I think I'd like it a lot. Because there's some really great stylistic aspects to it. Uh-huh. And the sequel, yeah. the sequel is, it takes an actual Halloween and like a big costume party. I'm yeah. like, that's a really interesting set piece. But I think the whole, like, oh, well, Michael's fucked up because he had a redneck stripper family. It's just like, come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's just if if it was anyone, and if you just rename the characters, make it your own movie, and it probably would have been. I would yeah. have liked it a lot more. I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes, just the whole that gets that's a whole other conversation. The remake, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, I'm still part of me still just wants people to appreciate the original, like with Halloween, just appreciate the original First for one what it's so for. Yeah. Like you don't make the art always come to you, but go to it and understand why it works. You know, and I know that 
you know, they do the remake of everything from Point Break to, yeah. you know, all those teen movies and then and yeah. update them so that they're, you know, they're not just surfing now in Point Break, but they're driving Fast and Furious cars up, up uh, a mountain yeah. or whatever, some, you know, CGI spectacular yeah. bullshit. But uh, I don't know. I think you if you're going to do the remake, then really go all out and make it the zombie story. But don't make this. I just don't like always this making of the same movie, mm-hmm. but like with updated technology. That kind right. of bugs me. Well, and plus, again, it's one of those things, too, where it's like things like films, films like Halloween or like Jaws, for example, or films that are so singular in their style and approach where it's like, you're kind of fucked from the jump. Like, you're not going to make a better movie than those films. You're just not. Although, interestingly yeah. enough, they're also doing a remake of Suspira, Suspiria. This oh, year. yeah. And it actually looks pretty interesting. I mean, I'll see it just to see what, you know, what the take on it. You know, and that's the thing. It's not like I'm not going to go out and see any of these things because I want to see... The take on it, but yeah, I don't always know if they're if it's necessary. Yeah, but it's also like you have Tilda Swinton, the director from Call Me by Your Name. Like the, the the talent behind the film is pretty intriguing. Yeah, that gives some hope. It could be. Yeah. So what about you? What what, what are you uh what are, what are you binging right now? Well, I just was saying that I just binged this week. Uh, in addition to the sc- the th- first three of the Scream franchise, which I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> The uh, I, ca- I did the whole full binge to catch up uh, and be current with the Showtime show I'm Dying Up Here, uh, which took me about two episodes to get into, but I, I do think it's worthwhile. I'm going to be real bummed out if it doesn't come back for another season now, but uh, basically it, it is based on the life of, I think her name's Mitzi Shore, Polly Shore's mom, uh, who had the comedy yeah. club in L.A. in the 70s, uh, and sort of about that burgeoning scene of people. And it's fictional characters, a group that hangs out at the club, but they interweave uh, with uh, real comedians of the time. So it's sort of that time uh, when people like Andy Kaufman were big and Freddie Prince and carlin and richard pryor and so yeah uh it's like the humor of the time it's political it's racially charged uh it's regionally charged you know it's politically charged it's really irreverent uh and i do think that even though like comedy has definitely changed and uh you know there's some of that still inherent in stand-up uh it's definitely different now you know it's a, a little more thoughtful i think in a different way about those issues um, I think it sort of shows how, even though that humor is probably hard for a lot of people to hear now, I think if you, if you look at it in the way that, uh, it was so geared to make people laugh and, and break down some stereotypes and things like that, that it, it really did have some success. Um, and there's a lot of the acting is good. Melissa Leo plays oh, Goldie yeah. and she is like mesmerizing to watch like it's hard to take your eyes off her or listen to her when she's on screen and um yeah the acting is really good some of it's a little cliche and some of the personal relationship stuff you're like okay i know this person's gonna go you know binge some drugs right now i know these two people are gonna hook up and get together uh some of that stuff but uh it it definitely gets into some nice psychology and the friendships and the competitive nature of that scene and how everybody was fighting for this little bit of time and yeah. at these clubs and then the bigger goals of like getting on Carson or getting TV or getting what happens when you do get a sitcom and uh, you know instant fame instant wealth how that fucks with you so it really does kind of tackle a lot I mean it may be a lot of obvious stuff but yeah. it, it really does kind of run the gamut and tries to, to cover it all uh, and then also you know how hard it was for women you know uh you know, breaking into the sitcom world and, you know, mm-hmm. it was like all the people getting the spots on Carson back then were mostly men. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I am completely caught up now and excited about tomorrow night's issue. That's been a, a binger for me. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And hopefully it's not all building up. It's just a prequel to the birth of Polly Shore. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. This whole thing is secretly like a like the prequel yeah, trilogy where he's like the Anakin figure. <laughs> Slowly building up to when he becomes the weasel at the end. You know what? There's a lot going on in the world right now. And a lot of like, you know, uh, definitely some the most challenging political bullshit ever. But if that comes out, that anything was geared on telling that story, the birth of the Polly Shore story... <laughs> Hear me now and keep it for later. I'm checking the fuck out. As all rightful human beings should. Yeah, that I, oh. I can't, I could never jump on the. I mean, I know, 
you know, people say he's a he's a nice dude, he's funny, whatever. But come on, the worst. You know what he is? <laughs> he he's tell us. He's Poochie for The Simpsons. <laughs> he is Poochie manifest. Like you could not engineer a laboratory like, a more obvious. Hey, nineties kids. Oh yeah. Everything about that asshole is like calibrated to be the douchiest version of that kind of marketing push. Yeah. And let's face it, he's not funny. He really is. He's isn't. not. Yeah, he's, not. he's just not funny. No. You know, I mean, you're, you're he's he's a guy who grew up in like a, he is lucky to have like a little you know, have be surrounded by that fame and get him into the industry and have a little extra boost into mm-hmm. that that most people don't have and have to work harder for. Yeah. But yeah. Oh. Hey dude, you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I do like Encino Man. Because Brendan Fraser does care about movies. Yeah, Brendan Fraser is the best part of that movie. Absolutely. It's like, like him, Brendan Samwise, Scamgee, and then oh, you know, yeah. Polly Shore. <laughs> yeah. As kind of like the, the the Harpo Marks in the group. Like mm-hmm. in, it, when, in that small dose, he's fine, but when he's like when he's like marqueeing a film, no. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, save your money. <laughs> uh, what about you, Devin? Are you binging on anything? Um, I was doing uh, Orange is the New Black. Okay. Ooh, no, All right. really are you are you up to speed? Are you? Yeah, yeah. So I just can't wait for the next one that they're about to drop. Yeah, I'm only I only made it through two seasons of that so far, which I would like to get back to it. Okay. But what do you think? I love the show. Yeah. Um, I think it's like refreshing because we see so many prison movies or shows, and it's just about you know like what the men go through, and so we kind of get to see the other side of it. Um, I I also like how they like present the characters. You know, like he's like, okay, here's what we want you to perceive this character as and then they'll do the backstory of it so then it kind of just changes the way you think about that character and they do a lot of good character development um good music choice uh i think it's a really good show um i have like a couple like um like male friends that can't get into it and i think maybe it's because there's not like a uh, main male a dude factor yeah and which is really obnoxious to me uh, but I like it because it, it's a show that lets you know it has like a lot of strong female roles which I think that yeah. you know we need that in, in the industry and stuff yeah, like that yeah thank you yeah absolutely look at Devin yeah. all woke and shit <laughs> <laughs> see folks you cannot like The Last Jedi but also like women it's doable it's doable <laughs> Devin, never gonna live that one down. Uh, if you like prison stuff, um, I, I've been curious to go back maybe and and, and binge Oz. I was thinking about that later. That's what I missed. I never watched that one. I loved Oz. I mean, mm-hmm. it got a little tired at the end because it had like 100 seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some amazing acting in Oz. Yeah, Did you watch it, it Ash? Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. You know about it? Yeah, yeah, I know about it. What's his name? Something Shane, isn't it? Like the. Uh, I think he's probably like one of the main characters. He's like some Irish dude. Oh, I forgot what his name was. Well, I know uh, Stabler from SVU's in it. Yeah, oh, Stabler's okay. in it. He comes on a little bit, maybe like third or fourth season. And uh, yeah, uh, J.K. Simmons is in it. Who, nice. Yeah. And he is probably one of the most maniacal motherfuckers in that show. But oh, it yeah. is a pretty intense show. But I'm wondering, I have a feeling, I don't know if I w- it would stand up over time. But So that's it's, it's kind of on my list of... Maybe later this summer to binge. Yeah. What about you? Well, it's interesting because this doesn't even qualify as a binge because I think it's only like four episodes in. But I started watching that new uh, Ryan Murphy show, Pose. Oh, yeah. And actually, I really like it. What do you think about him in general? Do you. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, long story short, I think the only front to back good thing he's ever done has been the uh, OJ Simpson miniseries. Oh, that one. Yeah. Because that was, that was fantastic. So good. So good. It was yeah. so yeah. great. But, like, I, I watch most American Horror Stories, and I always feel like there's too many ideas in those shows. Especially, like, um, I think it was... I think Coven was the season where I'm like, this is too much. Because because the show builds this interesting idea of, like, witches versus voodoos. And mm-hmm. it turns into, like, you from witch hunters, everybody's resurrected, <laughs> there's a Frankenstein or Oh, something. yeah. It throws, it's too much. It, it's too much. And, and I, I get part of the camp appeal of those shows to keep ratcheting it up, right. being like, hey... It's in an asylum, but what? There's Nazis yeah. and aliens and serial killers. <laughs> it's just like, dude, hone it down. Pick two ideas instead of twenty, right. and yeah. it'll probably be a lot more interesting. And well, they keep doing like the the singing thing, like every season. Yeah, I don't yeah. need everything to be a musical. Yeah. By the way, I was going to ask Devin real quick. Do you like horror story? Because you're a horror fan. Um, it like, really depends on the season. Yeah. But yeah. 
uh, I also didn't like Scream Queens. And I thought, I really want to like this. It's campy. You know, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be like maybe a little more Heathersy, but then it just, it, he, he does. He adds too much of a camp factor sometimes. I'm not saying that he doesn't have his own genius, but so, yeah, what about Pose? What? Well, what part was interesting to me about it is that ha- most of the cast are trans actors to start off with, which is not something you see on TV before. Yeah, that's cool. And it takes place like in the early '90s, so it's it's all about the the whole Paris is burning, like Vogue ballroom scene, and there's, some of the dialogue is pretty on the nose. With you know, it's a lot of it's like it, a lot of the show is clear, like oh, here's a cultural moment we're living through, and we're aware of it. But just the visuals are really great. Like like the scenes where they're actually voguing in the 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 house scenes are really just beautifully shot, and the characters are really compelling. So even when the scripts get a little preachy or rote. The performances in Pose are really, really something else. And I think it definitely shows the value of, like, if you're going to tell a, a subculture story, like, use those people. Like, have trans writers write the scripts, which, which they've been doing, and have a trans cast. And mm-hmm. I think, like, like there, there's, like, three characters in it that strike me as being, like, heteronormative. Because you've got, like, a, you know, James Vanderbeek, Dawson. <laughs> playing kind of a Patrick Bateman Trump stand-in. Like, seriously, like, yeah. like, like all the scenes are shot in Trump Tower, if you couldn't get more, like, obvious really? than that. <laughs> you also have uh, Evan Peters, who's, like, basically contracted to be in every Ryan Murphy production of all time oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> and he's good. And also, like, I think Kate Mara are in it. And, and, and it's interesting because that their plot line about, like, these yuppies trying to, to live in New York in the 90s feels totally superfluous. Like, you feel like it's only there because that's how they sold the show to the network. Being like, yeah, it's about all these trans characters. But don't worry. There's also some sad white people in it. <laughs> that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. We're going to load you up on some sad white people in a minute. <laughs> oh, but okay, I, this is a total pivot. But I did see something the other day that was incredible. Uh, incredibly bad. That you should know about. <laughs> I saw a movie called China Salesman. Oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. Well, I, sometimes I shameless plug. Sometimes I do reviews from the radar, and I got a screener for a film called China Salesman, which is to start off, let you know, it was filmed in China, hence the name. Like literally, like fifteen production companies. I mean, it could have gone a couple us. ways. So thanks it, for it. Could have gone a couple of ways, <laughs> but we're talking like it's one of those films like it has like fifteen production credits before it even starts. Like fifteen companies put money into this thing. It stars a bunch of Chinese actors. A couple of European actors who don't speak English, but they do all their lines phonetically, which is kind of a trip. Oh, is that? Sorry, technical difficulties, folks. Just adjusting the microphone here. It's good. All right, cool. So, and also, and this is the kicker, Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson are also in this movie. Whoa. Yes. It's, it's incredibly bad because the whole film is essentially, uh, the basic premise is that it takes place in an unnamed African country. It could be Tunisia or Uganda because it gets mentioned a couple <laughs> times, but like the film can't pick which is which. And it's about these two telecom companies, a Chinese company, which is very virtuous, and a European company, which is very corrupt, who come to this African country to sell them their services. Um, and then there's a war scene, and uh, <laughs> the main character, whose name is like Yan Jing, keeps getting called China Salesman by everybody in the movie. So they're like, hey, China Salesman, what's up? Like, Literally, <laughs> yes. There's even a scene where he's like, I have a name, you know. And they're like, sure, China Salesman. He's like, okay, I am China Salesman, <laughs> basically. But it's so it's such a bizarre movie because it's a propaganda film. The whole film is basically about how the Chinese telecom industry is so great. Like, there's actually literally scenes where they have business meetings about regulations in the middle of the movie. Wow. But they also have a scene where Mike Tyson gets served a mug full of piss <laughs> by Steven Seagal, and he gets angry as most people would. Also, oh, they're not buds. They're not on the same side. No, no, no. no. Well. They meet only in one scene and they fight each other. And when I say fight, I mean Mike Tyson punches tables and they explode. <laughs> Literally explode into splinters and pulp. It is terrible. Wow. It is staggeringly awful. But if you have a chance to watch it, I recommend it because it's like it's like the room levels of bad. But oh, is it wow. like the room levels of bad, but then visually it's all like crazy effects and stuff? Because you said there's a lot of production money in it, or is it does it look low budget too? Well, it's weird because it actually looks beautiful. Like the cinematography is actually really good because they film it like you know in North Africa, and so there's a lot of like there's a lot of establishing shots and just like b-roll stuff that they do where you're like that's actually really beautiful like this looks really nice but yeah the, the acting is terrible the script is incomprehensible the effects are it's like they have a tank that blows stuff up and uh, at one point again mike 
punches up. One point, a guy tries to Donkey Kong Mike Tyson by throwing a barrel at him, <laughs> and Mike punches the barrel in mid-end, and it just explodes. Oh, my oh. God. I think most of their budget just went into his hands blowing stuff up. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. I, it just, I, I know it's kind of deviating from the subject, but I had to plug it and mention it, because it's such a bizarre I movie. I mean, technically, if you're going to do, like, a... You know, bad movie binge. Uh, you know, maybe you're gonna have like a sleepover or something. Mm. You're gonna watch bad movies. Get that on the list. It sounds like yeah, China salesman. If you can find it, I'm not really sure. Other <laughs> than that screener, I'm pretty sure it's on VOD now. Like I think it, had, I think it had a very limited release the other week. But it's just like it's so bad. But Steven Seagal is so levery in that film. He looks like a suitcase got like a goatee pasted on it. <laughs> oh jeez. It's just incredible. It's just not. It, is that know. someone's old belt or is that Seagal? <laughs> it really is. It's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Oh, man. It's a fruit roll up. Oh, it's Seagal. <laughs> Although, on a brighter note, I did also see a movie about Nico that was really good. Oh. Yeah, that's coming out this year. Something new? It's called, yeah, it's called Nico 1988. And I think it's coming out this summer or uh, early fall. And it's about the last two years of her life, like like Nico, like in 1986, touring Europe. Oh. Huh. And it's actually really good. There's a Danish actress who plays her, like Trine Deerholm. I'm probably getting it wrong. But she's like embodies her fully. Like she, say, it's like she, she gets the voice so perfect that when I was watching the film, I thought it was Nico singing. Oh, like wow. on the soundtrack wow. until the end where I'm like, oh, nope, that's, that's the other person. Huh. It's really, wow. really good. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see that yeah. for sure. And as any of you who listen to this podcast know I hate music biofilms. Like they're like they're one they're one of the genres I don't take seriously. But this one yeah. actually does everything right. Yeah, I saw that. If you're gonna uh, documentary binge, and I don't know how long it's gonna take to be online, but I think that Slits movie is pretty soon gonna be available Whoa, on something Slits? streaming. Yeah, oh, yeah we wow. showcased it recently for a, a girls' rock benefit at Film Bar. Um, and, uh, I think now it's making its way to some, some streaming services. So cool. I, I didn't actually get to watch it cause I was in the hallway manning a table, uh, but by all accounts, people coming out, got a big thumbs up. Good. So I'm excited to yeah. see it. I and love I, the slits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So here's something new we didn't know about Devin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loves. They're a really slits. special band, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's something different. Yeah, I love about them. them. Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure Ashley does. He wrote yeah. about the movie. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So in some yeah. way, we were all, our hearts were all involved in that project. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in this room made that happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, to me, like, Cut is definitely like a, like a Desert Island disc. Yeah. Oh. Like, if I could save yeah. anything from, like, Punk England, like, that's a one record right yeah. Yeah. So Yes. Good. Right? Give that to me. Yeah. Uh, there's a PIL documentary coming out, too, that looks oh, real whoa. good. Yeah. Um, but uh, was I going to talk about that? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> documentaries, I think I was thinking. I guess if you're going to binge documentaries, that Slits movie would be one to get on there. Uh, it definitely has a lot of really great... Like, just seeing them, like, so young and, like, in their prime, just doing their thing. Like, that's, I think, the biggest appeal to that documentary is just seeing the concert footage of them. Mm -hmm. Just having yeah. them all... Kind of with anything like that, too. I think when you get to see any early show footage, that's the best. Right. Oh, totally. That recent yeah. Damn documentary is great. The Color mm -hmm. of Noise about Amra Rep Records. Those are some nice. good choices for some music documentaries happening. Uh, Beware Mr. Baker, if anybody hasn't seen that. The Ginger Baker documentary. One of the best documentaries I've mm -hmm. ever seen in my life. I've been wanting this. I have that on my uh, list to watch. watch. It. Yeah. It's mesmerizing and crazy and chaotic, just like him. You know, yeah. from like a mesmerizing player to like a, a completely insane human being. It's really good. So Missy's a huge prick. Uh, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's just kind of <laughs> nuts. But it's a fascinating movie. I mean, you can't, you, you know, you, you don't forget it once you've seen it. Uh, and it's easy to watch a second time. Um, yeah. Nice. What I, about The Keepers? Have you seen that documentary? The Keepers? Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, it's like um, it, it's like they you know they started doing that uh, how to make a murder type thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this one is kind of like that, but it's um, it's like this uh, nurse. I think they're like from Baltimore or something. Yes. But uh, not a nurse. Sorry, she. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, she was she was a nun, and so she just randomly like died, and they never figured out why. And so you know they're. I think it was like in the sixties or fifties or something, and so they're like trying to figure out like till this day, and then it ends up um, ends up coming out that all these kids and stuff were like abused at the at this uh, this Catholic school and stuff, and then just the victims coming out and trying to, you know, just get um, justice. 
Yeah, um, I actually did start that, but okay. I didn't. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, if you if folks, if you <laughs> if if you liked uh, yeah making a murderer, you would like the keepers. It's, cool. it's really good. It does sound really intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good things going on right now with uh, true crime mm. on Netflix. There's some series that are are worth watching. It's like that in stand up. It's kind of like Netflix's bread and butter. Yep. Killing and, the crowd or just killing the crowd, period. Yeah, and Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Amy Schumer. Yeah, and Amy Schumer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they put so much money into the Adam Sandler movies. I mean, I don't know how that increases like, the money in their model. Like, is it, is it getting more subscriptions for Netflix because they're making those exclusive Adam Sandler movies that are really just terrible? Possibly. I mean, it, it always amazes people, but it's like, you know, for the longest time, he's like been like the only reliably bankable star in Hollywood. Him and Will, for a long time, it's him and Will Smith that they could always open a film and it would always top the box office. And now, That's crazy since me. Will Smith fell off, it's just Adam Sandler. Again, I don't get it either, like, yeah. at all. But people love his stuff. Yeah. I love Billy Madison. Yeah, Happy no, Gilmore, no, there's but, moments of him that I yeah. can take. But, you know, just the idea of a... He hasn't picked a good movie in a long time. Yeah, no. that's yeah. the truth. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Uh, I've also been binging uh, for people who like crime type of stuff, but it's not a, it's just a fictional crime series, Bosch. It's an Amazon series starring Titus Williver, and I love it. It's very much like if you sort of like that nori, hard-boiled detective kind of crime, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like modern L.A., but it has a lot of that old L.A. uh, crime noir grit. Uh, cool. And and there's a lot of that sensibility in Bosch, the man. So he you know he bucks the system a little bit. He's unconventional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gets the job done in like a Bobby Gorin from mm-hmm. Law and Order kind of way, but much more gritty and less cheeky about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more in that true like cop yeah. kind of drama way. <laughs> uh, and then he also likes jazz, so he's like a cool cool dude. And the stories are pretty good. And uh, yeah, I really like it. I've it's it's in its fourth season now, so I think I've watched, I binged pretty much everything so far. Nice. You know, it's a, you know, not any off the wall, solve this crime type of stories, but it's just the way that they go at it. Um, but it's good. Well, plus you can't really be named like Titus Welliver. <laughs> like God, it's such a no, great you can't. Yeah, it. it's a great name. He's really good at the role. Um, that's, uh, I would say, hard-boiled fans of hard-boiled detectives, stuff Check like that. <laughs> yeah, there's your show. It's on Amazon. Free for Prime users. Also, Handmaid's Tale, if anyone's not watching it, a good binge. Ooh, Hopeless like... as fuck. Uh, even, and you know, Devin was talking earlier about how you get to see the backstory on the show mm-hmm. that you were watching. Yeah. Um, and you do, you know, if you're watching Handmaid's Tale, you get into the backstory, but that almost make, that almost intensifies the hopelessness because... You know, it's what you see in the backstory is what's lost, and you know, mm. and you don't have any sense of hope that that's going to come back again. Oof. So, wow. uh, that is probably one of the grimmest shows out there. But I mean, it's also really great, and we I, we don't want to shy away from things just because they may exemplify what horrors are happening in the real world right now. Very true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Anybody else? Binge? Well, this is what quite. What do a... people watch in the summertime when it's hot outside and they don't have a pool like me? <laughs> well, I also watch um, as as China Salem indicates. I also watch bad movies because sometimes, of course, you're at home late at night and you're yeah. like, "This is on TV. I'm gonna watch it." Like every Tyler Perry movie I watched was from that from basically from that same impetus. I watched I mean, like, She's All That the other night. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that movie before, yes, pretty have. sure, but it was on. Yeah. I watched the because you mentioned Adam Sandler. Pixels was on the other night. <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rip off the bandaid. I'm gonna watch this, <laughs> which it's just it's incredible. Is because, it bad? Well, you I never it, watched it. Did you ever see a Futurama episode? It was like one of those like uh, anthology episodes they did, where it's like where the video game characters invade Earth. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> Pixels is literally that it's blown up to two hours with Kevin James as the president. Uh. The president, Kevin James. Uh, Adam Sandler as like an idiot, like basically like a grown man child who's also a savant in old video games. <laughs> and, and it's basically just two hours. And also, um, Peter Dinklage is in it. Oh, in one oh, of those okay. classic. Like I him. need, I need yeah. to get paid. Yes. Yeah. Basically, he's playing the guy from. Uh, he's basically playing Billy Mitchell from uh, Donkey oh, Kong. Okay, from Donkey Kong. <laughs> from that, from that Donkey, like, like literally, that's who his character is based off of. But the, the best King part about Kong, this movie yeah. is that uh, Josh Gad, the poor man's Jack Black, is in it. <laughs> 
And his character's whole storyline is that he's obsessed with this character from the 80s, like a female video game character, who, of course, because it's a movie and video game characters are attacking Earth, she comes to life. And so he falls in love with her. She falls in love with him. But she dies halfway through. But in the movie, long story short, they're, they're, they basically beat all the aliens. And there's one alien video game character left, which is Qbert, that little bouncy <laughs> ball from the 80s. And he's just like, oh, I'm so sad my girl's gone. And Qbert turns into that girl. And he makes out, he starts making out with her. And I'm, watching, I'm thinking, this dude's about to fuck Qbert. <laughs> That's what this whole movie's about. This whole movie's just building up to the moment where a grown man fucks Qbert. <laughs> what? It, it even acknowledges this. Cassandra's like, is, is it just me or is it kind of weird that he's making out with Qbert? <laughs> wow. But yeah, that's it, almost disturbing. In a it's way. a little disturbing and weird. Yeah, but it just—that's. Just... I don't need Cubert. I didn't need Cubert to evolve in any kind of weird or especially sexual way. Like, yeah, it was just weird from the turn to like a trophy girl, where it's like all of a sudden like, oh, I'm a sexy babe now, <laughs> and like, and nope, it's ah, oh, it's so weird. I just watched it. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Why did you make this movie? Yeah. Why? Because someone was like, here's $200 million, do with it whatever you want, and put Adam Sandler in it. But with $200 million, they could have remade The Last Jedi. Oh, there's a lot of things that could be done with that kind of money. But you've heard about that, right? Like, there's like a fan campaign online right now. These dudes were like, give us $200 million and we'll remake The Last Jedi. Really? Wow. And it's like, okay, but you don't have the rights to do it. Devin did not give money to that. He's not giving any money up for that. Oh, my God. All right. What else? What about you, Devin? Are you binging anything else? Uh, I was re-binging Breaking Bad, of course. It's a great show. Always good. It's been like years since I watched it, so I was like, eh, yeah, I'll check it out. I've heard they've released the entire Friends catalog on Netflix if you want to binge that. Oh, no, no, thank you. I don't. I don't think anyone summer could get that bad or that hot, people. Don't don't do that to yourself. (laughs) No, there's way better stuff to binge than Ross and... Ooh. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, Six Feet Under, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch that. Oh, That's yeah. a good series for binging. Mm-hmm. Um, the Office. The Office yeah, the US. Office. That one, I always... I, it's just, That's my go-to. Yeah. If I'm sick, <laughs> I just pop that on. <laughs> just watch the whole thing all ne- over never again. Never a bad idea. Yeah. I think, a bunch of, like, I think I've gone in for three times already. I'm like, you know, yeah. e- even when it gets bad for the last couple of seasons, yeah, it's they, still pretty watchable. Yeah. yeah. Killing Eve. Did anybody watch Killing Eve? No. Mm-mm. Do you know about Killing Eve? Yeah, it's a new BBC series that just completed its first season. I did binge it pretty much in a weekend, uh, starring Sandra Oh, who is amazing. She's sort of like a lower-level cop in London uh, who comes up against this assassin um, named Villanelle, who's like a works for a like an elite Russian group of agents, and maybe there's some other uh, agents for you know like a mixed network of you know bad bad guys uh and she's like a very interesting complex character that she's almost like she was pulled from a prison system to become this assassin uh and sandra o's character kind of gets onto her so it becomes this battle between the cop and the assassin so of course you sort of see uh you know how there are similarities and differences and it becomes this like just all-out war to to take each other down, sort of, but then they also have that kind of weird mutual respect between, you know, the good, good, so-called good guys and the very bad guy. But she's a very complex character. It's like you kind of do and don't understand all the reasons why she does what she does. And then it's also they weave a lot of really, really dark comedy into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was on BBC uh, just recently. They released all the episodes and you could get it on demand and I think on the BBC streaming. But then I think I read Hulu picked it up for streaming too, but it's super actiony. It's really good, really engaging. And uh, also at times pretty funny, like really at good times when it comes up subtly and then you're just like, huh, you start to laugh and then you're like, (laughs) that was fucking hilarious. So yeah. Nice. I'll get my to-do list. Yeah. I think we might've talked about it, but I finally saw that movie, uh, The Boy. It's like the horror film with the with the with the doll. Watch, oh, come, the doll. <laughs> come watch our son. Yeah, here he is in yeah. this chair. Oh, he's a fucking doll. Yeah, yeah. What did you do when you saw 
him. Well, I mean, you knew what was coming. Sorry if I spoiled it. Oh, but the, oh yeah, the ending. Yeah, well, no, just in the beginning when she was like, "Here's my son that I've you've come." Oh, to. I know. I was like, <laughs> like this is so. Just get weird. out of the room. Get out, the, yeah. get out of the house. Yeah, yeah. You don't need that job now. Like, yeah, I know. What did you think? I overall? liked it. I actually did. did. Yeah. I did like, and the ending was like, I didn't really expect the ending. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, the premise yeah. is so silly. It like, is silly. Okay. But, but it's it, good. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Ooh. I'm still talking about yeah. it. I guess. Yeah. God, there was another one I can't remember. I think it was called like Before I Wake. Before. It's like that. It's they labeled it as a like a thriller, but it's more of like a supernatural film. But it's like this kid that uh, his dreams come come to life. Oh. Ah. And yeah. So and it's it's really uh it's really it's it's a beautiful movie and it's kind of like heartbreaking. Um, so I'm not quite sure what they thought it was. A, they called it a thriller. I but. love heartbreaking. That's always right up my alley. Yeah, but it's a. Uh, I'll try to remember this one, but it, it's just really well well done. Like the visuals and um, so like this couple, their their uh, their son died. So they they're like, okay, we're, you know, we're gonna try to move on. We're gonna adopt. So you know, they get this. Did boy. they adopt a doll? No. Yeah. <laughs> they adopt this. The prequel. Uh, yeah, the prequel. Yeah. <laughs> The and boy, yeah, too. The, the boy too. <laughs> <laughs> when dreams come to life. Sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. But yeah, so like, uh, so they start to notice that like, okay, um, when he goes to sleep, okay, they see like butterflies and stuff and things that he's dreaming about. But then all of a sudden, um, they see their son that that died, and you know, like when the, when the kid went when he went to sleep. So then they try to like kind of like use the boy to kind of get that because they're trying to make. They're trying to see their son again. Oh, that's inter- that's actually pretty interesting. But yeah. also his like his nightmares come to life. Oh. And so yeah, and oh. so it's. It, I mean, there are scary parts, but I wouldn't call it like a, a scary movie or a thriller or anything like that. But it's uh, I believe it's called Before I Wake. Oh. Huh. Yeah. But it's it's really 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 good. And it's uh, on. It's can... on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just saw Tag. You can't binge that yet, but I bet you're gonna be able to soon. <laughs> uh, on demand or something. But how was it? You know what? I like the idea of the story, and they made a fine movie. It's like totally predictable, but it, I like everybody that's in it. Uh, so they, it's like Ed Helms, John Hamm, uh, that guy from The New Girl who I can never remember his name, and Hannibal Burris are the friends. So, yeah. you know, you get the humor from each one of those people yeah. in a pretty manufactured script. But I like this. I, they showed a little bit. It's a, based on a true story of these this big group of friends. That played this game, the same the game of tag, mm-hmm. with each other for over thirty years, uh, you know, like going to you know whatever, but whatever means necessary to you know to find each other and tag like all <laughs> during the one month of the year, like yeah. costumes and um, you know, and that's what they do in the movie. But when you see that, it's worth it. Almost movie's good, it's fine. You laugh out loud mm-hmm. when you see that five minutes of the actual footage of these guys, just regular guys that don't look like. You know, obviously don't look like John Hamm and, you know, right. <laughs> whatever, oh, yeah. but they're just regular dudes, more refreshing. Uh, then you're like, I want to see this movie. I want to see a documentary about these guys playing this game. Like, yeah. That's what I wish I wish would have been made was the documentary about that. So it was interesting knowing that it was based on a true story and getting to see a little bit of that footage. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. How fun would that be? That, that would, would be really be fun. cool. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 So binge that later this summer because critics aren't loving it. So it should be going to uh, your on-demand service <laughs> pretty soon. Very soon. Yeah, but I wish I wish someone out there make that documentary because they've obviously got some good footage of those guys. Yeah, and they're all around, so I'm sure they could just tell crazy stories of 30 years of of keeping oh, this tag game alive. Yeah. Hmm. Thing. Oh, well, also, if you're looking for a, a binging suggestions, I would definitely recommend, if you haven't watched it yet, Legion. Oh, Legion mm. is good. Devin, are you watching Legion? I'm not. Is that the one that's based off the film, Legion? Or no. It, no. no. Okay. It's, okay. It's based off uh, the Marvel comic character, um, uh, Legion, who's supposed to be a spoiler, very slight spoiler if you don't read comics. He's, <laughs> Professor X is like, like a bastard son who's basically like schizo, but it has like enough power that he can basically destroy a planet if he wanted to. Oh, wow. So he's like this super powerful but very unstable it's psychic. It's so good. Yeah, it's so weird and like visually like all over the place. I mean, it's it's great to look mm-hmm. at. It's it's almost like a Wes Anderson movie. Like like the level of, the the level of visual detail that Noah Hawley puts into the show is really staggering for a TV show. Like yeah. it's 
one of the most beautiful things you'll you'll ever see in the medium. I'm only one season in. The first season, or second season, started not too long ago, right? It just wrapped us season yeah. two. Guessing hmm. on some of the things you like, I think you'd be into it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And it's more like an uh, adult version of a comic book character? or Very. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. It's interesting because so. there are characters in the show... That are analogs for people from the X Men comics. Like, they, like there's mm-hmm. a version of the white, like the the White Queen that's in the show. Mm-hmm. There's like there, there's like a version of Rogue, but they're not those characters. So it, it's it's yeah. like it kind of takes, it, it it basically is based in the Marvel universe, but it's like inspired by it. So it, it's it's yeah. interesting. Like like it's its own thing, but you could see story elements that are reminiscent of the actual the actual comics. A bit like the Fargo TV show, where none right. of the characters in Fargo are the characters from the movie. But they're analog to the characters in the movie in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's very. Plus, accurate. it's also very cerebral because the whole film, the whole show, is about his like his mental journey. So there's a lot of like going into his mind, a lot about psychosis. Yeah, it's very heady and yeah. like it's real mesmerizing in a lot of ways. Like that was one of the first things when I, I watched it. The first season came out was like, this is a, a mesmerizing program. Really? Okay, yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Plus, Aubrey Plaza's in it, and she's <laughs> oh. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, she's pretty great. She's not like playing her. her like awkward character. <laughs> no, no, like like the like, like like she like you will forget about Parks and Rec watching this because she's actually pretty terrifying in this show. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I like her a lot, but yeah, it's it, yeah, it's awesome. I've only see seen her, her in Parks and Rec, so okay. it'll be interesting to see her in a different role. Yeah, she's great. Oh yeah, yeah. like you watch her, you think like, man, if Lynch makes more movies, he should get her because. She like fit right into the kind of yeah. stuff he made. She's got a real inherent darkness. You can see in her comedy. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. she, you just know that there's she is easily like fluid to roll into those those kind of weird roles. I yeah. think there's more. There should be more of that in her totally. future. Yeah, uh, I I liked the uh, Netflix's The Punisher uh, with oh, John yeah. Barenthal. Oh. I thought was, I haven't got to it. Yeah, I thought it was really solid. I, I it it like surprised me at some turns where I thought it was going to be just gratuitous violence. Uh, you know, it actually held back. Uh, it, it had some real true restraint in some of those fighting situations. Uh, yeah. You know, really uh, emphasized the good versus evil uh, in a in a way in a realistic way like, with the characters and. Uh, yeah, I was fully engaged in that, and I also like have a weird fascination with John Barenthal's head, like his skull. Like I want to touch it. <laughs> Just putting it out there. I love, I love the way like a, a pit bull skull feels. Uh, like uh, I like all to feel all skulls under uh, a skin. Uh, TMI. <laughs> Stay tuned for the John Barenthal phrenology special coming soon. But when you feel a pit bull's head, it just feels like magic. Like it's so interesting and strong or whatever. Uh-huh. When I look at John Barenthal, I get the actual feeling uh, physically that I get when uh, I'm a real tactile person. So when I touch the pit bull head, when I watch John Barenthal, I actually like light up with the same, same feeling. Same feeling. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Again, TMI. <laughs> I'm gonna go home tonight. I'm gonna have a dream about a pit bull of John Barenthal's head. I'm gonna blame you for this. Uh, so I'm like fascinated with watching him because I think about that skull all the time. But oh, no, it's really, really. I thought the character development was really nice, mm. and you know when it did get pretty gory, uh, it wasn't like over the top in a way that was like cheesy yeah um yeah it was pretty engaging i'm excited about the second season cool, now i see yeah. he's gonna be back on walking dead he uh, what yeah wow yep how are they gonna i know i guess that's a, that's the whole big thing there's been so i didn't read any of the articles because i'm like i'm not gonna read them yet i'm gonna he's wait and see but they're the like dead. here's how we're making that happen so uh that's, yeah i don't know how they're gonna do that <laughs> what you won't be doing is talking about walking dead with chris hardwick because Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. Fuck that guy. I really lied. Just saw him. Front row seats. I'm a big fan. Sat right up front, oh, smiling mm. the whole time. Just a few months ago at Stand Up oh. Live. Chris, did you do it? I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know. It sounds pretty bad. I gotta believe. Yeah. That, that was a real detailed account. I think the details, like the stuff like, like her like, starfishing, as he called it, or like the yeah. fact that he only has friends who can help him get places. Yeah. Like, it read very convincing and also just very. It just was very, very sad. convincing, yeah. Sad and, and ugly. 
and sad. Like this, you know, uh, after that and then reading uh, the Rolling Stone article that just came out a couple days ago, the Johnny Depp interviewed, he solicited, the, his pe- team solicited the interview so he could talk about all the bullet points about him that are in the news right now. And I'm only probably about halfway through it and it's talking about his massive spending and all his legal things that are going on. But mm-hmm. uh, he also just seems so fucking just a mess like he doesn't seem interesting he just seems like a product of like having 650 million dollars to spend and people catering to you like a, a fame story gone mm-hmm. wrong you know yeah just, i feel like a lot of famous people are just so disconnected from yeah the real he world. seems so disconnected yeah. you know just not any kind of linear linear interesting conversation mm-hmm. uh yeah, and I mean, I like some of the stuff that he's done, like everybody. I mean, yeah, everybody. But he hasn't picked a good movie in a long he time. He has not. <laughs> and for a while, everybody, yeah. everyone, he had everyone on his side. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So. Just one too many Tim Burton movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think it's the Pirates movie. The Pirates, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because before that, he was a really compelling actor, like Ed Wood. He I was, mean, yeah. He was mm-hmm. just a really talented. It's like those films, man. I actually read an article that somebody, and again, I don't know how true this is, but the, but some, one a crew member on one of his, his films said that Johnny Depp doesn't memorize his scripts anymore. They, he actually has an earpiece, yeah, and that they read the scripts to him. He's doing like he's a doing Marlon Brando thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he talked about that in the interview how much he misses uh, Hunter S. Thompson and Marlon Brando because they were like the people that really got him. And it's like you have access to the whole entire yeah. anything you want. Like make some new friends, dude. Like yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. We've all lost people. You can't get them back. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't uh, he's just so absorbed I think in, in main, just trying to maintain that uh, eccentricity mm-hmm. uh, persona in a way yeah. too so some of it's real but some of it yeah, I don't think he even knows anymore like he's blurred his own line of like who he I, I didn't feel like he's a person who knows himself yeah like have you seen yeah. that perfume ad he does Sauvage <laughs> no <laughs> okay okay like, why with the ads the perfume ads anybody but it feels like a, almost like it's a parody cause, like it's like him with like a jacket and like a like a, like a uh, what you call it the crucifix like a, the rosary like right. rosary leverage vest. Like he's on a he's on a motorcycle. And he drives into the desert. <laughs> he digs a hole in the desert. Pulls something out. He's like See, sauvage. I used to think he <laughs> was cool that guy. enlightened that he would be like that's a total fucking parody. Ha ha. But now I don't. I don't think so. Like I think he was like he's in a band of Alice Cooper called Hollywood Vampires. <laughs> tells you all you need to know. <laughs> I think it really what he's saying in that microphone is. Seven million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> smells really good on yeah. me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's kind of sad. So, yeah, Chris Hardwick. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if the earpiece thing, if that's why he wears wigs now and, like, all those bizarre hats from, like, is he is he trying to hide the earpiece? Is Maybe. that why he's, like, doing this whole weird Dana Carvey Master of Disguise thing in real life? <laughs> I can just imagine him, like, in real life, just, like, line. Line, uh, yeah. like just just at the supermarket, just not knowing what to say. Yeah, <laughs> he can't. He probably he can't even connect with just like regular folks. No, yeah. I, I'm sorry, fuck that. Like as an actor, like one of your most basic jobs is like memorizing a fucking script. It's not mm. hard. Like, dude, if you're being paid multi million dollars to do a movie, why aren't you knowing the words? Right. right. Yeah. If that's true. Like that's just so weak, man. Especially when you're really trying to get into your career, and then every time someone talks to you, you're like, yeah, man, I'm so method to the max and I'll do whatever it takes and I'll live in a, you know, 10 feet underground and, you know, wearing a dragon suit or whatever, you know, whatever I have to do. <laughs> and then like you get all the money and stuff and then you're like, yeah, uh, line please. Yeah, you know line. what I mean? F you. You lost $650 billion, yeah. million dollars or whatever. Cause you, you know, you have a spending problem, like hire mm. someone to fucking fix it. Like, oh Yeah. Yeah, I don't Jeez. know. I just it was kind of a read the article. It's sad. It's kind of sad. Mm. The, the, to give you an idea of how far he's fallen, I mean, you have seen Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. This gives you an idea of how far Johnny Depp has fallen. That when Colin Farrell, who plays the villain in that movie, turns into Johnny Depp at the end, it's oh. actually oh, a disappointment. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're like, I want Colin Farrell back. Why are you doing this to me, movie? <laughs> Bring us Colin Farrell. He's a like, way more interesting actor. Honestly, I feel like he's a more sincere actor at this point. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. I like yeah. Colin. Yeah. I yeah. Don't, I don't have any beef with him. Yeah, it's it's almost like you almost have like a reverse Johnny Depp thing, where yeah, he spent yeah. most of his career being like this like teen like this heartthrob Irish dude who made terrible movies. Mm-hmm. And then as he got older and got a little bit more paunchy, he just started making great movies like In Bruges, um, yeah, The Bruges Lobster, and True Detective, the second season. Yeah. He was amazing in that. 
I loved, by the way, Binge True Detective. Yeah, please, Seasons people, watch one and that two. show. Exactly. I thought both seasons were fantastic. So I don't care what anybody says about yeah. season two. It's not that confusing. It's not. It's yeah. Just pay attention. Just watch it. I watched it with my friend. Yeah. We were not like, every week we'd read recaps that were like, what the hell happened on season two? Oh. Here's what happened. Did you watch it? It was good. People were just butthurt because they didn't have more time as a flat circle or McConaughey in season two. Oh, yeah. that's all it is. It, it was something <laughs> different, and people were like, "I don't like this different thing." How yeah. dare you? Yeah. How dare an anthology show be an anthology show? Yeah, I know. People don't know how they want their Vince Vaughn served up either. I think that he's a. It's tricky for a lot of people, but I'm interested in doing him doing anything. I like him. I'm sad that he's a. I think he might be a Trumper. Yeah, I think yeah. he is. So maybe I don't like you anymore, Vince Vaughn. Uh, you know who was really good in that? Like surpri- little wrote like Rick Springfield oh, yeah. uh, as that doctor. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Stuff like that was like mm-hmm. this show has some real darkness. Again, like that CD LA noir yeah. kind of thing, yeah. which I love. And I I, I like the the three uh, main characters they chose. You know, each one kind of came from a different background. Yeah. They really mixed well together. Supposedly there's a season this season three underway, and I don't know mm. who's in that. Do you know anything about it? I don't know. I I want to say I heard it, hmm. Downey was in it, but I could be wrong. Whoa. But that could be interesting. I'm about ready to see him do something. Something again new. Too. Yeah, yeah. And something cool. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, you can have as much Iron Man's as you want. As yeah. As many Iron Men as you want. But but he he is a really good. Dude, I'm yeah, pretty sure he's kind of the minutes till they kill him off. Like, like I think he's pretty. <laughs> oh, I, I think he's, he's so pretty. done. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I don't really blame him. Like, he, he's done so much for that show. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, according to the Google machine, it looks like Mahershala Ali will be one of the stars, okay. who's, who's awesome. Yep. He's great and everything. I mean, he's the best thing about Luke Cage season one until, you know. Spoilers. <laughs> Steven Dorff. Steven oh, Dorff oh, okay. will play his partner. Okay. So here's something. I like Steven Dorff, and I think he's somebody that he had a strong start to. I think he did uh, He did that weird movie, SFW, uh, mm. back in the day. And I think he was in a Waters. Was he in one a Waters movie earlier? I think he on? was, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, he started out kind of strong, you know, uh, and then he just didn't, his, another one, he, I don't know if he just didn't get the roles or if he was difficult mm-hmm. or whatever, but he hasn't always made the best choices, but he's got the skills. I he's, am, I am on his side. Did you see a uh, Sofia Coppola film he was in somewhere? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. It's like, he was great in that. You see that? No. Mm-hmm. No. It's good. Yeah. He's yeah. got, he's, he's able. So I think this might be a good, uh. Reboost for him for people. It seems to, to be for a lot of people's uh, careers. Like I never really liked Matthew McConaughey until I, I saw that show. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, wow. Well, that's because I think everybody gets is gotten so used to his one note, you know, charming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, plus Stephen Dorff is also in the best Marvel film ever. Blade. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Blade yeah, one. Right. Oh, Blade one is classic. so good. I forgot about that. Yeah. And he's like he's yeah he's like the the douchebag like new money vampire in that. Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, speaking of money and uh, douchey situations, is, are, have any of you watched Patrick Melrose? Not that he's. Uh, hmm. Is that a, the, the the Cumberbatch? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. What is? I've only that? watched the first few episodes. The and I think it's only a one season show. But yeah, he's a. Yeah, it's a very complicated character who's hooked on drugs, uh, has a lot of money in in 80s uh, New York and London. So you can imagine, like, the extravagant type of, you know, gross spending of yeah. things with lots of gold flake <laughs> and stuff. But, <laughs> but it's because he comes from a really uh, troubled past, so that kind of evolves as you get into the story. But I heard the... Uh, author of the books on NPR uh, and, you know, talking about his own story, which parallels the show. Uh, and it's pretty dark. So you're, it's, uh, Cumberbatch is amazing. Like, he's a big mix of, like, physicality and then really strong acting. And it's also very black comedy in moments. But, uh, yeah, it's worthwhile to, if you want to watch a show in a day. Yeah. I think, yeah. it's, I think the season it is either close to up or up. Nice. Huh. Yeah. Well, on the one more quick recommendation yes, um, is um, if you like drug stories, Snowfall is coming back for season two, and I actually like the first season a lot. Um, it was on FX. It's basically about the crack yeah. uprising of crack in the '80s. Uh, it's a weird show because they started off by doing three different stories, where it's like you you follow this kid basically in the inner city who gets into the drug I game. I saw episode one. <laughs> yeah. 
You also have like, you know, um, a guy who basically looks like Jim from The Office, who's a CIA operative who's getting him the drugs. And also this, uh, Latin, like a Latin group who are kind of like the intermediaries. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that show is that, the, is that the, 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 the kid, played by Damson Idris, is such a compelling actor that all the Compton scenes are super interesting. Yeah. And all the like CIA stuff is just like. That's what I thought eh. too. Like, this got to ramp up, but I didn't, I had to stay with it. I would like to see it because I love drug stories, but. It got good towards the end. It got really good. I, I, my hope is in season two, I think they're going to focus more on him and his aunt and his uncle and like the, the drug, the, the, the street level aspect of it, because that's the most interesting story. Not not Jim Halpert's CIA operative. Like, that, that is not inter- he's not an interesting character. Less sad white people is one of the <laughs> yeah. We could use a lot less sad white people. On <laughs> we're always getting dished up sad white people. Yeah. Because we're getting hand jobs. <laughs> the rice cake the rice sexual acts. <laughs> I guess on that note, it's t- probably time for us to sign off. So, hey, everybody, you're welcome because we just planned out your summer. Uh, <laughs> you can write us at uh, on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash pfkphx. Uh, or Twitter, the same, P-A-F-K-P-H-X. Uh, and if you happen to live in the PHX, don't forget that we also do trivia every last Tuesday of the month at Valley Bar in downtown. Yep, 7 p.m. is a sign-up, 8 p.m. the questions start coming at you, like wildfire. <laughs> That's right, and no mercy, we make that shit hard, people. That shit is hard, people leave in tears talking about, I thought I knew movies, and now I don't know, I don't know, I don't nothing, but... Some people leave with prizes and gift cards and uh, bragging rights. So maybe we'll see you there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Thanks for listening to Prize Fighting Kangaroo. I'm Amy. I'm Ashley. And I'm Devin. All right. We'll catch you next time. Peace.